Number uh, chapter number 31, Jeremiah chapter number 31. Start reading this morning in verse number 31. I want to preach on this thought God remembers, or maybe what God remembers, however you write it down, be fine. But Jeremiah chapter number 31, start reading in verse number 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. 
not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. Here's our text verse right at the end of this verse. We're going to continue to read though. It says verse 34, And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. For the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinance of the moon uh, and the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before the Lord forever. Dear Father, as we come to you this morning, we ask now that you would continue to touch us. Lord, we thank for, Lord, that I know that my name is there. Lord, I'm glad that my name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm thankful, Lord, that when we, when we all get to heaven, that everything is going to be right. Lord, all of our aches and pains, our struggles and trials, our temptations, our burdens will all be gone and we'll be forever with You. And God, we're thankful, Lord, not only that day that I learned to trust You and I've learned to obey You, God, but even now I'm thankful, Lord, that there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Father, I'm thankful, Lord, that You are coming, that You are going to send Your Son to receive us unto Himself. And I believe it sooner than any of us really think. God, we're thankful for that. We're thankful, Lord, that as small as we are, You choose, You choose, You choose to love us. God, You could love someone else. God, You could do something else. You can make in other people if You so desired. But Father, I'm thankful, Lord, that we may be broken and battered and bruised and we're all in pieces. We don't deserve the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. I'm glad that as small and as wicked and vile and, and no count that we are, I'm glad that You love us. Father, I ask You now that You would remind us of who we once were, but remind us that in You we have become something else. We thank You, we praise You in Jesus' name. Amen. As I mentioned, we'll be preaching on this thought. God remembers. Now, I want to read verse number 34 again, being our text verse, and we'll kind of hit and miss a little bit on the introduction, try to give you the message on my heart. I want you to look with me again. God has made a promise to these people uh, through the prophet Jeremiah that you realize that he's, he's preaching to a wayward people. He's the weeping prophet. And uh, he here, he begins to say, I'm going to do away with my old covenant, but I'm going to make a new covenant. And he says that in this new covenant, verse number 33 says that they're not going to teach people about me. Verse 34 says that they, uh, are, they are gonna know the Lord. They don't, there's no need for them to t- teach his brother or his neighbor. 
It says, For they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. Here's where we really want to take up uh, the message this morning. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. And uh, as I was praying, I was reminded of that thought that I repeated, and that's kind of why I stuttered a little bit, that God chooses to love us. And I'm glad that He does choose to love us. He, As I mentioned, He could love a lot of things. He could have left it just Adam. He could have just left it the angels, but rather He created man so that He can have fellowship with them. He created the woman so that he, that she and the man could have fellowship one with another. And they populated this earth. We understand that things happened. Sin entered into the world. Uh, but even you and I, my parents are here. Uh, before I was a glimmer in their eye, I'm glad that God chose that one day He will love. James, you, I'm about to run. He will love James Eugene Burke. He will love that name. Mama, Daddy, I don't know why y'all call me Eugene, but he loves Eugene. Amen? Uh, them little kids up at home, they would call me Jean Jean. And I think maybe Allie might have started. Where is Allie? She's out smoking. Uh, there's Allie. I don't know if she's the one started or instigated it, but I'm glad that God loves me the way I am. We're up at Camp Canaan and people say, you look like you took on some weight since you're bound in America. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've been fat this whole time. I just look a little bit better in it. I'm not sure. Uh, but I'm glad that God loves me in that. He loves me in my frailties. He loves me in my faults and fail. I'm glad that God loves and He chooses to love me. But I submit to you today that God also remembers some things. He says that I will forgive uh, their sin, their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Now, you might look at this word, remember their sin no more, as God being forgetful. And can I tell you today, I am forgetful and it's on accident. It's part of my flaws and you'll just have to love it. But I'm glad this morning when God says, I will remember something no more, He basically says, I will choose to forget it. I will put it out of my And He says that I will remember their sin no more. And so it got me thinking, if God can choose to forget some things, if He can choose to remember some things no more, then what is it that God does remember? And I'll give you, uh, I almost numbered them, I can't remember, I think it's about four or five things. But I feel like we need to be reminded of God's remembrance in our own life. I feel as though sometimes we we get so comfortable of God really knowing who we are and God really knowing all these things that we we do forget that God also remembers some things about us. Now, as we looked at this passage of Scripture, it's very sobering uh, to know that God does remember our sins. He says here that they have sinned. Look at verse 34 again. He didn't say that I remember their sin, but He said I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. So God is very conscious. He's very aware of the sin of His people. But it's sobering to know that even in the darkest, when we try to close the door and shut the blinds and, and, and turn off the lights and do our sins in secret, I'm glad to report to you, but it's very sobering to know that even then, God knows. Now, what's even more sobering than that is that once He forgives those sins, once we repent of those sins, 
as I mentioned, Brother Jim, he chooses to forget. Now, I may harm you, Brother Jim. I may hurt you some way. I may do you wrong, and you may forgive me, but very, very often is the case. It's hard for us to forget. It's hard for us to forget the hurt that has been, and that's not what I'm preaching about. I'm just making the illustration today that we might, Kurt, we might forgive something that has been happened, but in the back of our mind we remember, well, Kurt did this, or Nathan did that, or Rachel did that, or Samantha did this. We gotta keep an eye. We gotta keep our guard up. But God choose, listen to me, church. We ought to be rejoicing. God chooses to forget our sins once they are confessed. He doesn't say, well, you did this last time you came to me. You did the exact same sin. And now here you are asking me to forgive you again. Why should I forgive you? No. He just applies the blood one more time. And he forgets it all over again. The next time we come to God and we ask God to forgive us of that same sin, God, just as though we have sinned just that once, he forgives us again, and He forgets it. I want to give you just these few things about God remembering. Number one, I want you to see in Genesis chapter number 8. Genesis chapter number 8, I want you to see that God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah. Now, I'm going to need you all to help me just a little bit today. Just say amen, throw, throw a baby up in the air, something or another. Just don't fall asleep on me now. Number one, God remembered Noah. Look with me. Now, you know the situation here. God began to deal with Noah in chapter number 6. Matter of fact, He says over there in verse number 5, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, sin was rampant. Sin was was everywhere. The men, the women, the children, everything was just all amok. And Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He gave him commandment. Uh, I'm going to destroy the world. I want you to build an ark. He began to build the ark. In chapter number 7, we see that Noah uh, began to fill the ark with the clean and the unclean animals. And he began to get things prepared so that uh, in chapter number 6, verse number 6, or chapter 17, verse number 16, that God finally got all everyone into the boat and God shut the door of the boat. How we see that the rain began to fall, we see in verse number 20 of chapter number 7 uh, that it was 15 cubits above the mountains were covered. Uh, it says that all of the flesh died. It says in verse 24, and the waters prevailed upon the earth in 150 days. But here's where we're at. God remembered Noah, verse number 1 of chapter number 8, and God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters Assuaged. We see, number one, that God remembered Noah. I'm glad today that God remembered Noah in his obedience. Understand there in chapter number 6, verse number 22, I believe it is, that Noah, it says, Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. In verse number 23 of chapter number 7, And every living substance was destroyed. It says, Both man and cattle, creeping things, fowls, they were destroyed from the earth. And Noah only remained alive 
and they that were with him in the ark. I'm glad that God remembered Noah. He remembered him in his obedience. We saw that in verse number 22 and 23 of chapter 6 and chapter 7. I'm glad that when we, this morning, listen to me, when we begin to obey God, when we begin to answer the call of God to do something, know this, that if God has called you to it, He will remember you, just as he called Noah to build this ark, just as he called Noah to get out of his comfort zone and to build something that, as far as we know, no one else had ever seen for a reason that no one else had ever heard of. God began, or Noah began to be obedient to God. God remembered him in his obedience. But not only that, I believe that God uh, was um, remembered Noah in his ridicule. If you look over there in Hebrews chapter number. 11, verse number 7, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not, at, not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Second Peter chapter number 2, verse number 5, And spared not the old world, God spared not the old but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. I believe that in this time that he was building the ark, according to these few scriptures that we read there in Genesis, Hebrews, and Second Peter, I believe that we can we can uh, deduct from it or deduce from it that there was some ridicule uh, being given towards Noah. Don't you reckon? If they had never seen rain, don't you think that if they had never seen a flood come down the mountain and Noah began to get all of the gopher wood and he began to get all of this, he began to pitch and he began to nail, he began to hammer, and as people would come by, it says that he was a preacher of righteousness and God had condemned the world, don't you reckon that he began to preach about the coming judgment? Don't you reckon that he began to tell people, hey, I'm building this boat, why are you building a boat? Matter of fact, what is a boat? He said, I don't reckon no, but it looks like a box to me. And God told me to build it. He told me to pitch it within and pitch it without. So it sounds to me like it's going to float. And if God brings a flood, it's going to float on top of it. God's told me to get my family in. God's told me to bring all these animals in uh, because it's going to flood and everybody's going to die. Noah, what do you mean it's going to flood? How's it going to flood? It's never rained. What is rain, by the way? I could imagine all these questions that were going through the men and the women and the children as they were questioning this preacher of righteousness named Noah. But yet through it all and through their wonderings and questions about what is he really doing, God remembered Noah. You can mark it down. When you begin to do something God has asked you to do, there's going to be some ridicule. There's going to be some questions. There's going to be some wonderings of why are you doing that? It makes no sense. Why are you going to these links? It's never going to pay off. Why are you going this far out of that, as I've said before, that comfort zone? Uh, It's because God wanted it. And we must, regardless of the ridicule, this morning we need to be obedient. And in our obedience, we've already saw, seen that that God will remember. Brother Eric, even in our ridicule, God will remember. 
In these straits, you see in verse number 1 of uh, chapter number 8, it says that God remembered Noah. And it says, And God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged. This word assuaged, it simply, it simply means that it, they began to disappear. It, it, it means that they were, uh, Ashlyn uses this word skirt. She says skirt, skirt. In other words, hurry up, hurry up, let's, let's move, let's move. It, this word assuage, it means to skirt away. It means to hurry, and God sent a wind from another world uh, to move that thing that was undesirable according to God's will out of Noah's way. God remembered Noah and caused the floods to disappear. If you look with me in 1 Peter chapter number 3, verse number 20, it says, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God wanted in the days of Noah... While the ark was preparing within a few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. I, I, I thought this week about a message. I, I, one day I'd like to preach it. Uh, just simply called for, called for nothing. And uh, I, I remember just when I think about that, I remember Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, he got called up and he saw the Lord high and lifted up. All of those things that we preached about before. But God said, I need somebody to go. And he said, I hear my Lord send me. But he said, okay, I'll send you. But know that nobody's going to come back. Know that nobody's going to listen to your message. Know that you're not going to have an altar full. You're not going to have a choir full of converts. Sometimes we're called to do something. We may not see the benefits. Sometimes we're called to do something. We may not see the effects of our call. Sometimes we're called to do something by God and we may not see uh, the result of our obedience. But I want you to know, listen to this again. <laughs> he says, while the ark was a preparing with, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. Man, he had this ark that was big enough. I, I, somebody has has made these figures, and I've forgotten what they are. But it told how big it was, and how many people it could have saved, and how many animals were on it. And I think my parents had been to the ark up in Kentucky, and they talked about how big it was and how vast it was. There were plenty of room, brother David, for people to get on the boat. Noah was preparing that people would listen to him preaching righteousness. He was wanting them to get on the boat. If I'm not mistaken, for seven days he was on the boat with the animals, with the door opening, waiting for someone to come. But Peter said there were eight souls, only eight souls that were rescued. Have you ever felt like you're in desolation. Have you ever felt like you're doing something all alone? Have you ever felt like there's just no use in doing it? Can I tell you this? God remembered Noah. Number two, God remembered Abraham. We're still in Genesis though, chapter number, chapter number 19. Genesis chapter number 19. Y'all still with me? Come on now. Verse number 29. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain. That God remembered Abraham. It says, God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow. When he overthrew the cities 
in which Lot dwelt. Number two, God remembered Abraham. Abraham up to this point had had been a blessed man. He had no doubt seen the hand of God, but uh, here in verse number 29, he had just taken part, though not directly, uh, he had just taken part in one of the most shocking uh, things in his life. Uh, If you look at the previous chapters, you see that Lot had joined himself. Lot was Abraham's nephew. And uh, their their herdsmen begin to argue back and forth, and so they split ways. And Lot chose the well-watered plains of Sodom and of Gomorrah. And the Bible says that he pitched his tent toward those places. Next thing you see, the man named Lot is at the gate. He's he's basically joined himself to the city. He's not taking part, as far as we can tell. He's not taking part in the sin of that city, but he surrounded himself by it. He has, uh, uh, in a sense, according to his his daughters and son-in-laws, even that he is he is not only condoned, but he's allowed some of the things to go on. He had a recollection of the men in the city, but Abraham, still, still far away from the sin. Heard from God that he was going to destroy. Going to destroy the city because of the sin. Listen to what Abraham did. He didn't do like some of us may do. Well, good. That's a wicked city. It needs to be destroyed. Good. Go ahead and take... No, that's not what it did. Abraham began to pray and he says, God, uh, if I can find 50... Or if we can find 50 in, in, in Sodom and Gomorrah, will you spare the city for the sake of 50? And God said yes. He'd been a wise man. He began to, to talk to God a little bit more. He said, what if I find 45? And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll save it for 40. What about 40? Yes, I'll save it for 40. What about 30? If I find 30 righteous people, will you save these cities if I find 30 righteous people, he said, I will. What about 20? What about 10? He finally stopped with 10. God, if I find 10 people, will you spare the city? Now, now he had Lot, his wife, at least three daughters, I believe it was. So that's five. Two of those, at least, were married. Six, seven, Right? He knew that was at least, this was his nephew. He knew that some of them were married. He, he understood, Eric, that there were at least seven people. And he said, if I can find ten people, God, I, I'm certain that my nephew has not joined in all of this garbage. I'm certain that I can find ten people. Surely there's three more people to add to my nephew's family that are righteous. Surely. He couldn't find any. The angels came to Lot. The men of the city were so wicked that they fought and they scratched even after they were blinded to find those men and commit ungodly acts. God destroyed both cities with fire and with brimstone. And after all of that, God remembered Abraham. It doesn't say that He remembered Lot. Said so God remembered Abraham. Listen to what it says. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham. 
In remembering Abraham, he protected, he sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. God remembered Abraham even after the judgment had been meted out. He had prayed and asked God to to save this city or these cities. And God, according to His sovereignty and His own will, God destroyed these cities because of the sin that had come up to Him as so wicked and so vile. But God remembered Abraham. It may seem strange to be remembered there in verse number 29. It may even sound or seem a little too late. But even in judgment, God remembered Abraham. I gave the illustration a few weeks, maybe a few services ago, about uh, being whooped. And uh, I told you that my Sunday school teacher said that when he was a young boy, that his daddy would whoop him with a belt. And, and he would try to get as far away as he could, but his daddy could always swing real well as far away as he was. So he finally began to get a little closer. And as he got close enough, his daddy... Couldn't hit him. Couldn't hit him without hitting himself. And so, as he finally got close enough, he knew he'd done wrong. He knew he needed a whooping, Kurt. But finally, he realized if I get, if I keep getting far away, my my daddy's still going to be able to reach me. I, I'm going to get as close to him as I can. And finally, he got close enough. His daddy finally just dropped the belt, reached around him, and loved him. Reached around and hugged him. Even in judgment. Even in judgment. Now understand, Abraham didn't do anything wrong. But in judgment and him praying that God would have mercy, God remembered Abraham. And it may have seemed too late. Abraham may have even thought, what's the use now? But understand the context here. It says that when it came to pass, that when God destroyed the plains, well, the cities of the plain, That God remembered Abraham. Understand that this is at the time that it's happening. God was, God had the, the fire lit and he was fixing to rain down fire. And then he remembered Abraham. And when he remembered Abraham, brother Jody, that's when he delivered a lot and those that would go to safety. You see, we oftentimes we see the the impending storm and we seem as, as though there's no hope. But understand that even in those things, if we are faithful to pray to God, God will remember. Even in a time of, of storm, even in a time of judgment, God will remember His own. There are folks today that possibly are going through some trials and maybe facing soon judgment. But I want to assure you today that if you are a child of God, God will remember you. God remembered His covenant. Number three. Exodus chapter number two, verse number 24. Let's quickly look at this. Exodus chapter number two, verse number um, 45. It's not verse 45, because verse 24. There's not even 45 anywhere on my notes. I don't know where that came from. 
Verse 24, And God heard their groaning, and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. Moses now is on the scene, and Moses is trying his best to, to wrangle all these people. <laughs> best way to put it. And God has heard, listen to what it says in verse number 21. We'll just read a minute. Moses was content to dwell uh, with the man, and the man gave him Zipporah, his daughter. She buried him a son, named him Gershom. He said, I've been a stranger in a strange land. This is verse 23. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up to God by reason of bondage. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. During our bondages, during our troubled times, we often try to make deals with God. God, if you get me out of this, I will do this. God, if you'll supply this need, I will do this. Lord, if you'll help me here, I'll go help someone else. Lord, 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 Lord. Many promises are made out of distress. Promises are also made out of joy. You've you've done this great thing for me. Now I will do something great for you. But God does not do that. God makes His promises and He makes them sure and He remembers every single one of them. If we were to look over there in, uh, we'll get to this in just a minute, but over in Second Peter chapter number 3 verse number 9, the Lord is not slack concerning His promise. He is not slack. My daddy is here today, and and I'm glad they're here. Thank y'all for coming. But I'm glad they're here, but I can remember growing up and all the times that I worked with him, he would say, I need some more slack. And at first I didn't know what that meant. And, and I had no inkling of what to do when someone said, I need more slack. And finally, he taught me if somebody needs slack, you gotta, gotta give a little bit. You gotta, you gotta let go. You gotta lengthen the rope a little bit. When he adjusts the, the clutch on a truck, he don't want a whole lot of slack in it. And he'd be on the bottom, uh, uh, underneath the truck and he'd be adjusting and I'd be in the driver's seat and I got my foot on the clutch and he said, all right, check it now. Same thing with brakes, I suppose. How much slack you got in it? How much looseness? God is not, God is not slack in his promises. God does not have any looseness in his promise. If God says yes, then the answer is yes. If God says no, then the answer is no. We, uh, Friday, Friday night at camp, and usually all them kids will want to stay out all hours of the night, and, and every single year my kids say, can we stay up 15 minutes longer? Can we do this? Can we, 30 minutes longer? And I told them before we ever left the house on Wednesday or Thursday, as we were about to leave to go back, I said, you're not going to stay up past midnight. There's no sense to ask me for 20 more minutes. No sense to ask me for 30 more. 12 o'clock midnight, that's when I want you 
your hind leg in the dorm. Go to sleep. Don't go back outside. If the building's burning, you better be there when I wake up the next day. I want you in the house when 12 o'clock comes. And as far as I know, we gave them leniency as far because we were still out there. But at 12 o'clock, they were ready and they were looking for us. Understand today that when God says something, when God makes a promise, He will do it. We were having a conversation with a young lady just this week, and the question came up about salvation and assurance of salvation. And the question that seemed to be in the mind, at least in my mind, was we have to trust what Jesus says. If God says, if you confess I will save. If you ask me to save you, I will save you and give you eternal life. And folks, if we can't trust that promise, that if we confess our sins and ask Him to save us, if we can't trust His promise to save us and to give us eternal life and to forgive our sins, there's no sense in us hoping that the sun's going to come up tomorrow. There's no sense in hoping that He's going to put groceries on the table. If we cannot trust Him to give us eternal life, if God is slacking that, then He's slacking every other promise. But I'm standing before you today, Miss Kim, saved for all eternity because of the promise that God made. God remembers His covenant. This word respect at the very end of this word, verse, in verse 25. And God looked upon the children of Israel and God had respect unto them. This word respect is not in the sense that we use it. I respect you, Kurt. I respect your opinion. That's not what... This this word is it's yada, and it means to have knowledge, but also to be observed. Friday night, I was very observant of where my children were because of my decree. Twelve o'clock. I want to know where they are. At what, Ashlyn, what was it? Ten till, twelve till, something like that? I found you, did I not? And I said, darling, I just let you know you got twelve minutes until midnight. You need to make, I was observing her. Five minutes, guess what old boy did? He walked around the corner to make sure she was still there. Looked out on the volleyball field, brother John. Made sure Braylon was still there, hadn't off gallivanted off somewhere. I watched my clock. Now you say, oh, you're a horrible daddy. Shut up, I'm preaching. I looked at my watch and it was 11.59. So very patiently I walked to the tabernacle and I waited. It's 12 o'clock, about 10 seconds after 12, 15 after 12. Someone finally saw me. I wasn't making a big scene. I was just standing there. Some of you weird people would say, oh, you're being creepy. Well, oh, I'm being daddy. And I'm making sure what I wanted happened. So I stood there. I was observing Miss Kim. She looked up. And she said, I'm going to tell everybody bye. And I'll be right there, daddy. So I waited for her to say bye. And I walked her to the door. God heard their cries. He remembered His covenant and He observed them. He gave them a promise that He was going to deliver them out of Egypt. He gave them a promise that He was going to protect them and carry them to the promised land. But at the same time, He observed them. 
He was making very sure that they were doing what they were supposed to do. In Leviticus chapter number 26, verse number 42, Then I remember my covenant with Jacob and also with Isaac and also with Abraham. Well, I remember, I will remember the land. God says, I'm going to remember. I don't know if anybody else is this way. I can have all intentions of doing something. Washing the car, mowing the yard, building the back deck, cleaning the lake out, whatever it is. And I remember that, Brother David. And I know there's other stuff that comes up, but I remember what I said. But when somebody says, did you clean the lake out? That kind of makes me mad. Because, Abby, I know, I'm trying to help you. You're going to get married next year. You better act right, girl. I remember what I said I was going to do. But things got to lay in place for me to do it. Is she looking? It's difficult, Brother Stanley. It's difficult when someone says, Hey, you remember what you promised? Remember what you promised? Remember what you promised? Remember what you said? Remember what you said? It almost makes me just want to sit down and just not do it. I, at least most of you men know what I'm talking about. But God had made a promise. And He had been reminded of the promise. And here in Leviticus, He says, I remember my covenant with Jacob. I remember my covenant with Isaac. I remember my covenant with Abraham. You don't worry about my promises because they will come true. And Peter said it again. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise as some men count slackness. He says He is willing. He is willing. Let's just read it over here. He is not willing that any should perish, but is long-suffering to usward. Let's read it. I got it backwards. Second Peter chapter number three, verse number nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us, were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It may seem like God's forgotten something, but if God's made you a promise, church, he's going to fulfill it. I'm not going to preach this, but number four, just for the sake of notes, God remembered Hannah. In 1 Samuel chapter number 1, verse number 19, Hannah was brokenhearted. She prayed. God gave her a son. And in all of that, God remembered Hannah. She called his name El, which means asked of the Lord every time she called Samuel's name she remembered that she had asked God something and God had followed through on his promise lastly I want you to see this Ecclesiastes chapter number 12 let's turn over there y'all still with me Ecclesiastes chapter number 12 verse number 1 most Most people that don't have memory problems can remember this verse. 
says, remember now, verse number 1, Ecclesiastes chapter number 12. Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw now, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. And I realize that most of the time we look at this verse and we, we preach it at, we teach it, we, we, we tell it to our young folks. Remember thy Creator in the days of thy youth. And there's nothing wrong with that. But in the grand scheme of things, I believe that we could all take something from this. I, I talk to older folks all the time. I was talking to Miss Mildred on Monday and she said, Preacher, she said, do me a favor. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, don't ever get old. And I said, I don't know if I can help that or not, sis, but I already feel, oh, no. You'll know when you get old. But I, I, I think about, well, brother, brother, brother John over here, and brother John over there, something about those J's. I don't know how old these gentlemen are, but they're, they're out doing well, David mentioned his, his garden. He's out working in the garden. He's working on this. He's welding this. Brother John, he's climbing ladders. And, and I needed a tree cut down this past year. And, and he said, well, I'll bring my ladder over there and line it up against, lay it up against that tree and we'll cut that ladder down. I said, no, you won't. You ain't going to do it. Just paint it over his house. Just mowed the yard. I believe, he, I mean, just do it, uh, stuff every day. My daddy, he can't, he, He's supposed to be retired. He he still works every single day. Now, I'm not being disrespectful in this, but and I'm trying to make a point, but some of our older men and our older women that we look like, wow, they're really old. They're 80 or they're 90 or they're 70 or they're 60. They don't know they're old. No one sent them the memo. They're still acting like young men. They're still acting like young women. Yeah, they got an ache, they got a pain, they got a scar, they got a medicine cabinet, but they're still doing it. He says, remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. Yeah, it's better to do this while you're young, while you're this young. But as long as you're alive, you've still got breath to remember some things. And so I ask you the question, and lastly... Do you remember God? We saw that God remembered Abraham and God re- essentially God remembered Moses in his covenant and God remembered uh, 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 Noah. But I ask you today, do you remember God? Do you remember what God has done for you over there in the book of Jude? It's only got one chapter. But Jude, verse number 17, I want you to see this. Notice what the Bible says, verse 17. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you that there should be mockers in the last time, who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garment spotted by flesh. 
now under him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the pre, uh, presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only God, only wise God, our savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. Do we remember God? Do we remember what He has done? Do we remember our prayers to Him? Do we remember our promises to Him? I mentioned earlier about some of those promises being made in distress and some in joy. Do you remember those promises that you made? Are you hoping God forgets? Do you remember the deliverance? When you got saved, do you remember what God delivered you from? Do you remember His blessings that He gave you yesterday, that He gave you today? Do you remember all the deals that you made with Him? Do you remember all the times that you've been alone with God seeking direction and He's given that and now you're facing another turn or fork in the road and you don't know what else to do? Go back to God. Do you remember the needs that you've had that have been met? Maybe from an atheist neighbor, but they still got met. Do you remember what you've committed to do for the Lord. You say, well, I just don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't, I just don't understand how to make that happen. Yeah, I know, I know I committed. I know I promised God, but I just don't know how to do it. Sometimes you just have to do it. Sometimes you just have to step out in faith and do, and do what God has asked you to do. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus. We sang that earlier, but to trust and obey. Do you remember? It's great to be reminded of what God hasn't forgotten. But it's great to remember what we've promised to God. I don't know. I don't know if anybody will come to the altar this morning, but I'll tell you this. It's in this altar that we can we can remember what we've promised God. It's in this altar that uh, that we can take our time and go back through the pages of our life and remember all of the things that we told God that we would do for Him that we've yet to do. And we can make it right. Some folks are living today in... I, I don't really know how to say this. I, I guess maybe mediocrity. They're, they're living in a way that is not pleasing to them or anyone else. But it could be they're living that way because of a promise that they've not followed through on. Let's just say spiritually speaking today. Now I'm not talking about monetary things. I'm not talking about any of that. But spiritually there's some folks that they, they want to shout but they can't shout. There's some folks that they want to do in church, but they can't do in church. They, they're, they're, there's folks that want to raise their hands, but they don't. They, they want to sing, but they don't. They, they want to preach, but they don't. And you're living below the means that God has placed on your life, or, or at least provided for you, because you feel like you failed God in not following through on that promise. But can I tell you today, that today you can turn that around and remember your promise to God. And God will begin to, to give you a little liberties. I can remember years ago, I, I, there's two things that I lost. I lost my tears and I lost my shout. 
I ain't losing my joy. Wasn't mine to lose, but Jim. David said, restore to me the joy of thy salvation. I didn't lose my joy. I, I lost his. But I lost my shout and I lost my tears. And Miss Rachel, one by one, I had to take that thing to God. And I would cry and I would be at the altar and I would be heaving. And, and I mean, I would just be trying my best to, to cry, to 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 show God that I meant it and I couldn't, Kurt. I just the tears would not come. And God began to reveal some things in my life where some things needed to change. And little by little, when I say tears, not only do I mean these things, but I meant compassion. I lost my compassion. Little by little God began to soften my heart and those tears came back. Another time I could remember standing up at Bays Mountain Baptist Church. And I remember I always sat on the third pew on the left-hand side looking towards the front. And I'd get there and I'd, you know, Brother Troutman or somebody, maybe it's somebody singing, whatever. But you know how sometimes you do, you just stand up, you got to testify. And I could remember standing up and testifying and almost going into a preaching spell and shouting and I remember going down to Camp Canaan and shouting. I remember going to revivals with Brother Troutman and shouting. I remember going to other places and getting up to sing and shouting. And, and, and I lost that. I think that was worse than losing my tears. But I had to get on my face again and say, God, I, I've lost my shout. I need you to give it back. I need you to restore. Lord, I don't even know where I lost it. And almost systematically, God began to show me Right where I left it. And thankfully God has restored that shout. I'm able to shout. Some people they shout at the drop of a hat. I don't have a problem with that. Sometimes I don't mind myself just throwing the hat down myself. So I have something to shout about. Some only shout because their favorite preacher is up. Some only shout because their favorite singer is up. I'm not shouting because of the singer. I'm not shouting necessarily because of the preacher. I'm shouting because of the message, the word that's being spoken, the song, the message in the song. But even more than that, I'm shouting with a with a voice. I'm not talking about just getting up and doing it to do it. I'm talking about shouting to give glory to God. And the reason I say all of that is because I remember the promises that God has made to me. And I remember the depth that God had to reach to save me. I remember what God brought me out of. But I remember some promises that I've made to God that I'm not going to sit by and let everybody worship and it run by me. I'm not going to sit idly by and let the Holy Spirit move. And I'm telling you, Brother Jody, and I know we can't see the Holy Spirit physically moving. I realize maybe it might start with one person. They begin to weep or they begin to cry. And so we can kind of see evidences of the Holy Spirit. But Miss Leah, I'm telling you what. If I feel like it's hit Brother Kurt and it hits Brother John and I'm sitting right between them and it don't hit me and it hits my wife and... You know if my wife shouts that it is the Holy Ghost or a bug got on her. If it misses me, Miss Lee, I just soon go to another pew, see if it just skipped over me on accident. Because I want that, I want to feel it. 
I've been in meetings before where everybody else has been up shouting. And I just sit there. Wasn't quenching the spirit, preacher. I just lost the shout. I'm glad that God will restore it. Let's stand. Let's get a song of invitation. I don't know what you could sing after that, Brother David. If you do have a need this morning, you come. If you've made some promises to God and you've fallen on those, you need to come make it right. Come on. If you've forgotten the promises of God and you need to be remembered by Him, I encourage you to come on down to this altar. If you need somebody to pray with you, you grab them by the hand. Just come on down.